and welcome back to Jeans and Gems, everyone. This is Natalie, aka Natty, aka the hip hop genealogist. I'm happy to have my co-host back this week, my BFF, Keisha. How you doing, girl? Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Jeans and Gem. Glad to see you. Glad you guys are still watching. Hope you guys continue to add, have people subscribe to us. Um, of course, I'm Keish, a.k.a. Snacks, a.k.a. Kenshi. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guest for today. He's a hip-hop artist, also activist. He's the co-founder of Until Freedom, which is for, runs the campaign Boycott Black Murder. Without further ado, I'm sure you know who he is, no other than my son. Thank you for having me, ladies. How y'all feeling today? We're good. Very good. Reunion today. We out here. This is a reunion. It is. You know, I've known my song for more than half my life. I'm not going to give numbers, but it's been a very long time. Yeah, I got real Southern in there. When I first met my son, he he loved basketball. You had a passion for basketball. You were pretty decent. You had a pretty decent handle. You were you were a basketball player, right? I remember when you, to me, fell in love with hip hop. You was in love with the Illmatic album, and you would quote lines from that joint, and you was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do this." I remember that, and I would just love to hear when that spark and that passion hit you for this activism and, and, and what you're doing now. And then, you know, tell me if I'm, if I'm right about that data, the hip hop hits you. Cause I'd like to hear that story. You're hundred percent right. You know, Nas has been, you know, the catalyst of, of pretty much my hip hop career. I mean, I, I first fell in love with it with EPMD and Rakim yes, yes. was for me, something that made me feel like, damn, I want to try this because he told so many stories about our hood and where we came from. And he described it so vivid. And I was like, damn, I, I want to try that, you know? And so that, that that gave me the passion to start, you know, on that trail. But as far as activism, I think, I don't even know where, I think being incarcerated, you know, after being incarcerated for seven years and seeing how the injustice system works and watching young men coming in here with lifetime bids, facing lifetime bids at 17 and 18 and 19 sure. for crimes that, you know, I know I know a guy who did a crime supposedly who who who's, who still maintains his innocence, supposedly had right robbed the white lady for one dollar and was and was doing 25 to life. Ooh. You know, nobody was shot, nobody was killed, nobody was hurt, but he supposedly Arm robbed her and got one dollar out of it, and and he was twenty years old and didn't come home to probably three or four years ago. So wow. those type of injustices, you know, piqued my interest in just social justice, you know. And then I think when I came home, Trayvon Martin was the catalyst for me. Um, I was shooting a web series at the time, mm-hmm. and um. I was in Miami and we were in a hotel and they were about to read the verdict for the Zimmerman trial. Mm. So I'm sitting in my hotel room. We're about to go shoot a scene for the web series. And I'm like, well, automatically he's going to be guilty. I, I'm not thinking. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. no way. You know what I'm saying? And I remember hearing that verdict and like my soul stopped. You know, wow. and at the time, my own son was probably about 10 or 11 years old. Mm-hmm. And um, I had two more kids, 
Mm-hmm. I, I had my other, my, I, did, I didn't even have Kesson at that time. I had Cameron. Cameron was probably one. And I was just thinking, I just kept saying, damn, what do I say to my sons about this? How do I explain like what just happened? That somebody could just kill an unarmed black man and, and there's nobody accountable for it. And, right. I, and I was crying like I was two years old. Mm. You know, where the whole staff had to, the cast came into my room and was sitting mm. there with me. It just tore my soul up. And I wrote this unspoken word piece called What Do I Say to My Sons? Mm. And it was so passionate and powerful. The guy who was shooting the web series was like, yo, we left, we was leaving to go home the next day. And when we went home, we shot the video the same day. We shot mm-hmm. it in the park. I'm with my sons. They're all in the park. And we ended up shooting that video. And I, it's, it's actually on, you know, it's on YouTube. But that was my first entry into activism. And that's when I knew sure. something was wrong. And I wanted to really get involved. But I think when... Um, Eric Gardner died. Mm-hmm. I was working in a detention center in the Bronx, the Horizons Detention Center, and um, we I was teaching music as an alternative to violence. Just teaching mm-hmm. how to utilize lyrics and how to utilize it to get out your frustration because it's what I did most of my my um incarceration, and and when it was a, a course that I was teaching and. My um, the person I was working with was the executive director of Harry Belafonte's organization, the um, the Gathering for Justice, right. my sister Perez. So we would go into the detention centers to work, and I remember that day we left the detention center because we couldn't have our phones in there, so we didn't know anything was going on. Mm. We got out, we had found that the, the officers weren't being charged for Eric Garner, and we called this big rally that night mm. 42nd street and I, remember I remember it was mm-hmm. the biggest ride i ever been to and I, yeah. remember I went there and i was in the middle of the street where you go to the lincoln tunnel like on i forgot like 37th street we sat in the middle of the street and, and i remember looking around just seeing all these people and it was like justice justice and i felt like this my soul was alive yeah like wow. by the same type of people like me and i think that was where i really said, I need, this is what I want to do with my life. And so, and it's, it's interesting how, you know, you were already in a way, whether they, you call it activism or not, just teaching, going back to the youth, trying to uplift them, trying to give them alternatives, you know, to, to some of the things they were already, you know, facing and coming up. It seems like it was just a natural progression, you know, and then I'm not sure. So when did you and uh, Tamika and I guess the other co-founders put together until freedom, how did that come about? Well, Ultra Freedom was just, it was just over a time period, you know, like I said, I was working mm-hmm. with the Character Justice, um, which is Harry Belafonte's organization. Right. And we formed an organization underneath that called the Justice League. Mm-hmm. And it was me, Carmen, mm-hmm. Angelo, Tamika, um, it was Linda, it was so many of us, it was a bunch of us and we were like immediate response you know activists to anything we just did the immediate response to it so whenever something happened we was on the scene you know i remember we did a big march from new york to dc with three pieces of legislation mm-hmm. in in um at the at the capitol and it was a big march then we did 
the Million Man March, we were, we were um, Tamika was one of the co-conveners of the Million Man March, right. which I spoke at. And then they did the Women's March. You know, so it was so many things that we were a part of that we never really, it was never our own. And, you know, and we realized that as much as we loved all these organizations, they weren't ours. In all of those movements, I never seen myself really represented in them. Sure. In those movements, it was all types of different. They were, you know, um, very high level graduates, college graduates. Yeah. You know, the demographics are just demographics. Different. I never, it was never nobody like me in none of those demographics. Mm-hmm. So I was pretty much an anomaly in all of those spaces. And I was like, a lot of people from my community wanted to be involved in the movement, but they didn't see their entry point. It is like, you know, I want to do this, but I'm not like that. And I don't know the words to say, and I don't, I'm not clean cut like that. And I'm like, well, you don't have to be clean cut. You just got to want your people to be do better. You know what I'm saying? Sure. People dying. I'm, so it, it's not about clean cut. So I say, you know what? I want to create an organization that makes them feel that it represents them. I want to create this generation's new civil rights movement. You know, Absolutely. And, and I, we encompass that. I feel like Tamika had her own presence and her voice. I feel like Linda, who is a Palestinian from Brooklyn, has, has her own voice. And Angelo, who is a brilliant lawyer, has his own. And we all come together like Voltron. And we <laughs> That's a great metaphor. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like we represent what this culture is now. Me having hip-hop and being formerly incarcerated and being engulfed in understanding the street dynamics. So we just all bring something that's unique, that's needed for this time. And we said, that's, and, and I came up with the name Until Freedom. And, you know, and, and we just been doing our thing ever since, man. I think one of the things that I feel like was a question in our times is who's our advocate now? And I think that your name is on the list of the top five people when people are looking at the who's fighting for us. You were on the front line with Breonna Taylor. You were on the front line with Floyd. And that when I say you were on the front line, we saw you. We saw you sitting on the lawns. We saw them trying to arrest you just for simply protesting, even when you with, were with, I believe it was Yandy when they were having the issues with the jail. I actually worked in the area. I saw you myself outside. So what you do is much appreciated. And I think that the name that you guys came up with, the street politicians, is so fitting because you understand us and our community, our fight and our struggles because you were on this side. So now you're in a position where you're like, you know what, I know what's necessary. I know what's needed. And this is what needs to be in place. And this is how we fight. So you're just like, and you're into hip hop, which is something that these kids can relate to now. So it's like, okay, wow. So wait, I can rap and I can do all of these things and I can still be this person. I don't have to, I'll be out here killing everybody and doing all of it. So I, I think that what you're doing, it's like, excellent in this time and it's it's much needed i just was curious to know how did you guys come up with the name street politicians because it's just so perfect it's another thing that's what i do that was like marketing and promotion and strategy and coming up with names that's like one i think that's a gift that i have so i came up with that name i I was just trying to figure out something that encompasses what it is that we represent Well, we obviously could talk about this all day, but um, part of the reason, and you know, we'll talk about everything, <laughs> but part of the reason that that we're really excited to have you joined, because Jeans and Gems, you know, our mission um, is really to, again, bring 
this knowledge and this this understanding that you know black folks we account for what 13 percent of the population in the united states and that number i mean it, it dawned on me that we're probably all related or there's six degrees of separation right and i think that when you look at you know other black people as your brothers your sisters your family your distant cousins Maybe you think twice about mistreating them, hurting them, taking a life. Um, so maybe, you know, call me idealistic, thinking that knowing where you come from and, and how your family has migrated through the, their time, just through Jim Crow and all of the different injustices that we that were happening before we were even born. I think unifying, you know, our history, knowing that we share a similar history, knowing that we we all are still dealing with the trauma. I think knowing who your your people were, how they came to be and how you came to be because of them, hopefully can can bring us a better understanding and a better respect for each other. What our goal and what we're trying to do is to just bring that awareness and that that um connection to to everybody. So we thank you for for letting us, you know, kind of dig through your tree and and you know, we're happy to Tell you about some of the stuff we found. Well, you know, got my little plum wine. I'm here. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, let's let's get it started. Um, so, so we're gonna start with his father's side, the linen side. I the think linens. Yes. yes. Uh, tell me, what do you know about um, the linen side? Like, what's your overall knowledge, or what are some of the things you've heard? Or, I mean, tell me what you know already. I mean, I don't know a lot about my. My father. I know my grandmother, my grandfather. You know, I know Leon Leonard Senior. I know my grandmother. I, I can't even remember my grandmother's name. But I was really young when she passed away. Sure. Well, I mean, we're gonna take you on a, a journey, and like I said, this is really the the beginning. I do have some really interesting facts that we uh that we were able to uncover. So, first and foremost. The earliest verified uh, ancestor on your father's side, on the linen side, was a man by the name of Lot, like out the Bible, Lot Linen, and he's a senior. He was born in 1839, and he was born in Wadmala Island uh, in South Carolina, which is near Charleston, um, near John's Island. Did you know, I'm sure you had some clue that you had South Carolinian heritage or? I knew it was South, I knew it was Carolinian. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's absolutely South Carolina. It was a lot of um, uh, great agriculture. It's a very beautiful and and to this day, uh, sort of low populated island. So um, it's 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 one of those places where I think if you go down and meet someone with the last name Lennon, they're, they're probably a relative of yours. Um, there were quite a few Lennons in the area. Um, so Lot he appeared on the 1870 census. Um, that's the first place he's documented. Um, while I can't find any documentation that he was uh, in bondage or a slave, the fact that he did not appear on a census before 1870, we kind of deduced that Blacks, Negroes, colored people were not listed on the census until 1870 unless they were free. Also, there was an inventory uh, list of slaves that was released in 1866 of slaves who were on Wamala Island who were freed by a man named Hugh Wilson. And so while Lot is not listed on that um, inventory, 
there are a couple of Daphne's listed. So on the 1870 census, Lot is married to a woman named Daphne of also of Wabala. So, you know, mm -hmm. still gonna we're gonna do some digging to find out if we can discover a little bit more about those two. Um, so have you heard of Lot? Never heard of Lot. Okay. Wow. Never. Well, so on the 1870 census, Lot was listed as 25 years old. Uh, the thing about the 18th census especially is that um, it had very limited information. And then birthdays, a lot of people, if they came out of bondage, they weren't really quite sure of their age, sometimes of their, their actual birthday or even their birthplace. Um, but for all intents and purposes, again, these these people both, um, and as we go forward in other senses, they're listed as being uh, born in, in South Carolina. So um, we're going to do a little bit more research, see what we can find uh, additionally. But uh, as of 1870, they were living together as husband and wife. And then we see them again on the 1880 census. Um, so just 10 years later, they were still living as husband and wife in Wamala Island, and they had five children. Uh, there was Lot Lennon, Junior. Indeed. <laughs> and their firstborn was a boy. He was Lot Lennon, Jr. He was born in 1872. There was Mulsey, Florence, Diana, and Coxon, <laughs> which is spelled C-O-A-X-A-N. Which is interesting because that's a last name that we've seen on a couple of census at, at the time, but they they gave him that as his first name, Cox and Lennon. So that was uh, in the year 1880. There was another person listed on the census living with them by the name of Betty. Now, oddly enough, Betty is listed as the mother of Lot, but she was only listed as 46 years old. So the age doesn't match. There's a couple of things here. Again, the census was handwritten. Um, in fact, I could probably bring up a, I'll share my screen in a minute, but it was handwritten and it was written in cursive. A couple of things could happen here. They could have just listed the wrong relationship. She may have been a sister. Um, they may have listed the wrong age. So they, we can't really be clear who Betty was, but she was another adult living in the house with them um, in 1880. So I know that's a lot. <laughs> I'm going fast. Anything stand out to you yet? Anything? What do you? Hot. No, no turn is a lot. Not yeah, <laughs> L O T T. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so yeah, Wadmala Island. I mean, I know obviously you, you've traveled and gone to have you been, have you heard of Wadmala Island or have you been down to like John's Island or you know, any familiarity with that area at all? Never heard of it, and it's crazy that you know, so it's, it's like a native, it's like a native American island. So, wow, mm -hmm. I, I always knew that I had native um genes. I was always aware of that. So and now you can kind of pinpoint or at least begin to find out where that, where that, uh, sure, my family a little bit. That's right. <laughs> so we solidify That's some of your inquiries. <laughs> you got in, Jenny, your family. <laughs> I was really excited to find, to find these people. I think for me, you know, finding a family name, you know, having a family name and then being able to trace it back. I mean, we're, we're talking about, you know, over 150 years, more or less at this point, and to just know that how it, how it continued, right? How this, there's this, there's this feeling to me of, you know, strength, survival, that this name, and then we can go get into all the details about whether it was a, you know, a, a slave name. And I don't, I don't want to go there right now, but what I do want to say is that 
the fact that you can connect with a man, you know, who was on the census from 1870, who was your third great grandfather. I don't know. I'm always fascinated by being able to put a name to that person. So I'm one of the children a lot. And you're like you have here, you see, you have your family from the census, your five children. They were free. These kids were not born slaves. Yeah, to hear about that first generation, or at least in this one branch, because there's so many, but to hear that 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 first set of kids who was born free is just, um, I don't know, does something for me anyway. Yeah, so it does. It does, man. It shows, you know, this evolution, man. We went through a process and we survived. And we were able to birth and raise free children. So Lot, like I said, he their firstborn was uh, another was a, a son, and his his name was Lot as well. So he was Lot Lennon Jr. He was born in 1872, like I mentioned. So um, him being the eldest child, he's actually uh, another one of your. Uh, he's a direct line, so he's your your. Don't quote I said third grade. I think he's your second great grandfather. He was on the Lot Jr. was on the 1920 census. Now, unfortunately. Lot Sr. didn't appear on any more census records, which, you know, leads me to assume he passed away anywhere between, you know, after 1880 and, and, and before 1920, when some of the other family uh, is, is presented again. The problem with doing the paper trail, especially sometimes in some parts of the South, but but just in the U.S. in general, in 1890, Many of the census records uh, were lost in a, a huge fire. So anybody that was counted on 1890 census, their census is very rare to find those documents still living. So it's, it's it's you know, he could have been alive during that time. We can't tell. But by 1900, he was not on any census. In 1910, he was also not on any census. So I don't have a, a date of death for him. However, Daphne definitely uh, appears on the 1920 census, and then her marital status at the time is listed as widow. So again, we 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 are confirmed confirming by 1920 he had passed. We just we don't know when that happened. But um, speaking of the 1920 census, you have uh, Lot Lennon Jr. who was married to a woman named Christina, and they called her Tina. Tina Mitchell, and they were raising six children together by 1920. Have you heard any of these? Have you heard of Tina Mitchell? They putting it out. Yeah, they were. (laughs) You need to catch up. (laughs) They had six children, Richard, Ernest, Dazzly, Sadie, and then there was Jacob and Esau, who were twins. Mm, They were still in Wamala Island. Actually, before Christina and Lot had those six children, there was a boy born to Lot Jr. His name was Rufus. Rufus Lennon was born in 1893. His mother was Estelle Doctor, but there's no record of Lot Jr. or Estelle marrying or living together. So their relationship was, you know, pre-Christina because Rufus Lennon was born in 1893. Have you heard this name before? Never heard of Rufus. My boy Rufus. I never heard of yeah. Rufus. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Rufus, born eighteen ninety three. You know the other children of Rufus. of Lot, Lot Junior, Tina. Boy Rufus, man. <laughs> Listen, man, we got us a Rufus in the family. Man. You can't, <laughs> right? I mean, how 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 more you know, how more American could you be? You can't, Rufus. You Rufus. can't beat Rufus, man. Nah. <laughs> 
So Rufus being, you know, the, he's actually the, the firstborn of Lot Jr., he, by the time Lot Jr. and Christina were having, you know, their other children, uh, Rufus's siblings, Rufus was of age to to have started his own family. So Rufus... Rufus was playing, buddy. <laughs> Rufus, you listen. Rufus might be the whole... He might be the key to the puzzle. Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> see? Rufus. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, Keisha was asking me why I said it that way. Because I was kind of saying it the same way. She's like, why do you say it like that? It's like, you just got to say Rufus. You got to say it with a little... Rufus. <laughs> Rufus. Man named Rufus. I'm going to call him Rufus. Man named Rufus. <laughs> so, Rufus, uh, by 1920, was living with his wife. He was married... <laughs> he was married to a woman named Emily, Emily Green, as a matter of fact, um, also a native of Charleston, uh, South Carolina, those area whereabouts. So they were they were also living on Wadmala Island. And so in 1920, Rufus and Emily had their children, Stella, Curtis, Jerome, Mary, Rose, and Leon. Woo, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Some of those names sound sound a bit familiar. I think there was also a Margaret. Yes, uh, yeah, there was Margaret. there was a Margaret. Marguerite, yes, she. It's mm -hmm. spelled as Marguerite on one census, but then it was Margaret. That was my my grandfather's sister. I heard that. Wow. So, um, Rufus and in in his family, like Emily and the children, they were living in Wadmala in nineteen twenty. And they were, both worked on a farm. Uh, Rufus was a farm operator and Emily was a farm laborer. But at some point they made the decision to to leave. And this is um and this is when we get into the other side of your family, we'll talk about I, how this is related to the to the great migration. Are you familiar with that with that phrase or with that movement? Right. So and obviously, you know, we're New Yorkers. So when we tell the story, most of us, if it's not our parents, our grandparents were from somewhere south. My grandparents were from Texas, Louisiana. Right. So mm -hmm. I think, Keisha, your mom That's is the south first. Carolina. Right. Mom and, and dad, actually. Exactly. And so, you know, for many of us that are, are northern born, probably our parents are great grandparents or, or grandparents were from somewhere south. So you're you're no exception. Um, the Lennon family definitely was part of the great migration. And so Rufus and Emily and their children uh, came up to East Harlem. Well, Rufus? Came up to I think we're going to name this, we're going to name this episode Rufus. Rufus? And family. The legacy of Rufus. The Rufus. The Rufus. Rufus Chronicles. You gotta, say, you gotta put two S's. Rufus. Rufus. Yeah. yeah, and then you gotta Rufus. like that. <laughs> the extra emphasis on the second, the us. Rufus. Yeah. Rufus. Anyway. So, so they, and I can tell you exactly where they lived. They lived on 1924 Second Avenue between 99th and 100th Street in East Harlem. Does that area ring a bell? Do you remember did any connection to that area? I don't remember that. I ain't hear well, they that's where where oh. Rufus and family was living. Um I'm sorry. So we've been home. We've been okay. Oh yeah, East Harlem. And this is as early as nineteen forty. So they, they are on the nineteen forty census. You know, Rufus was actually this was interesting. Rufus was uh working for the IRT. You do you know what the IRT is? Cause... What is the IRT? The train? Yes. 
It's the interborough rapid transit was actually Rufus was on the Yeah, that was before it was the MTA. <laughs> actually, um his son, one of his sons, Curtis, which I guess was your grandfather's older brother, was actually a Pullman porter. So they had come from working on the farms migrated north and were, were working for both the IRT and the Pullman uh, company and making a, a pretty good living for that for that time period and and definitely changed the the trajectory of the family from by leaving South Carolina. Yeah, and I get um, Curtis Lennon, um, Rufus's son, he was actually also drafted into the Navy. He served from 1943 to 1946, so he did three years in the Navy. We got, we got, we got, <laughs> we got legacy, man. Yes. Exactly. And so at the time, you know, again, for the 40s, you know, at that time, we've had a bunch of families that were were migrating from the South and, and coming up. And so this, this is how the Lennon family, or at least your particular branch ended up uh, in New York City. Obviously, Leon Sr. is a name that, that ring bells, because that's your your grandfather. And you, you had met him, right? This is some, is this someone you met? My guy. Awesome, <laughs> my guy. <laughs> well, um, to get back to Rufus for a minute, unfortunately, you know, even though he migrated and and at least gave his family the foundation for a better life, he unfortunately passed away at fifty. Rufus, um, he passed away at the Metropolitan Hospital in New York City, and he's actually buried in Long Island, um, at the St. Michael Cemetery. So, yeah, and him, his income back then, he was making above the median range income. So basically, they were living very well. Like Rufus? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Rufus? Rufus. Rufus. <laughs> He's not going to let go of Rufus. So. Oh, Listen, you should never tell me my great granddaddy name was Rufus. It's Rufus. Rufus. It's Rufus. 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 And he was, he made money. <laughs> did. And so. That's right. <laughs> So, like I said, we're we're just this is our our this is phase one, right? This is the paper trail journey because, of course, Leon Senior. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Leon Senior was the father of Leon Junior. Leon uh, Senior uh, married a woman named Corinne. Or uh, now you could tell me if this because these are people that you can uh, correlate. Is it Corinne or Corinne? Corinne? Do you do you remember your grandmother's name or did you know it? It's, it's either Corinne, it's it's something like that. Well, at least here on record, it's, I have the name, but I think they um pronounce it a little different. Right, and that's why I said I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, apparently, her maiden name was Minor, um, and it appears that they were married. They were living in uh, Manhattan. This is Leon Senior, by the way. We're living in Manhattan, uh, at least between 1957 and 1961, because. That's where they uh, had their license, their marriage license. Uh, we have a copy of that that we're going to send you. And so it's, it's really, you know, exciting to see, you know, these people that you've actually know, especially your grandfather, Leon Sr., you know, come to life on paper again and to see when he was, you know, getting his marriage license. Obviously, he was the father of your father, Leon Jr. And I know, you know, there's, there's, you didn't have a lot of time with him. Unfortunately, he passed away early, but um. You know, I, I will say because I, I he was a Pisces, so I'm going to speak for my Pisces <laughs> heart that it, he's, uh, you know, very proud of everything that, that you're doing and, and the way you're carrying the linen legacy. So for sure, for sure. Especially Rufus. Rufus like, yeah, that's my boy. <laughs> Rufus. 
So hopefully we're, we were able to enlighten you just a little more on the, on the linen side and, and the, the, just some of the origins, right? Rufus was it. I think all we needed to do was talk about Rufus and we just, just been, that's <laughs> all we had to do. I'm good. I'm done. Rufus got him some bread. He gave me a bunch of kids. He did, he did what he could. He did what he was supposed to do, man. Rufus is Rufus is part and Emily. Let's not say let's not take away from his his wife, your great grandmother Emily. Grandmother, we ain't gonna take away from her neither. But yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, so they're 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 half the reason why you were uh you were born and you're here in the you you got your start in New York. You know, is this 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 trajectory and how they kind of migrated through this is this all new to you? It was kind of assumed, yeah. but is it never? I never really. Heard much about the migration of my father's family. My father passed away when I was 12. So I didn't, you know, his father passed away. His, his mother passed away when I was really young. And his father passed away when I was probably even younger. Sure. So seven, eight or something like that. But I remember him. So I didn't really have the time. Yeah. To just learn about my family. You know, it's funny. As long as I've been into genealogy and going to my own family reunions, all the things I wish I would have asked my grandfather, all the things I wish I would have talked to some of these, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins who passed away. Um, but, you know, not everything's lost because, you know, as long as I'm around, we're going to find a paper trail. But like I said on one of the, the previous episodes, not only the paper trail, but now it's having, you know, being armed with this knowledge, being able to talk to some of the relatives who are still living and confirm some of this information and get stories to to put to these names and maybe even pictures in some cases, right? So I just, I hope that this is a good starting point for you and, and will let, you know, lead you to to other discoveries because there's there's a lot more to be to be found on that side. No, it's, 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 dope. it's interesting just hearing, you know, names that I've never heard and just understanding that we came from certain areas that I never even knew. Always, you know, had a little bit of understanding, you know, my grandfather and my grandmother, would, would, my grandfather mainly would talk about, you know, our native roots, you know, so I, I knew somewhat of that, but just hearing that and then being able to know that my great grandfather Rufus Rufus. Rufus. Rufus is outside. So it's 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 definitely it's dope, man. I love what y'all doing. It's important, man, just knowing. I think that's that's the thing about being black in America is that you don't know your history. Right. And I think that's why we're not connected and have a level of unification as we should, because right. conditioning. Our, exactly. Our history is so you know, it's so divided and, and taken away from us. We don't know our native culture, native. We don't know our native land. We don't know our native right. um, tongue. We don't know our religion. Mm -hmm. we, we don't have, you know, our customs. So it's easy for us not to feel connected. Yes. Yeah. To all of these issues, whereas every other culture has a background. Yeah. You know what it is. They can. They know their culture, their customs. They've been taught their customs and everything since they were young. And right. those customs is the things that, that make you a culture, right? right. right. Those are things about your, your ethnicity and your group that you, from beginning to time, is right. something you knew, you know, your, your, your spirit and everything connected to. 
your people were connected to this. And y'all said, you know what? We all pretty much connected to this. So this is part of our custom, right? So when you don't have that as a black person, and, and the only thing that we we connect is in trauma, right? All we connect is yeah. in pain and trauma. When we see one of us hurting and in pain, it immediately kicks in. It's, because right. It's familiar. It's familiar. You're like, damn, that's how, I know that's my family. I can feel it. Right. I know it's wrong. But we don't have the customs and all of the rest of those things that keeps us united. So what y'all doing here is 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 you know is is amazing, and it's gonna enlighten people and it's gonna make people feel more connected to our culture. Because the longer you go back and you hear your your uncle or your grandfather was this and was that, you're like, damn, I've heard about the history books, but now I could connect myself for sure. To that history, so it, it's more personal for me. And when I connect myself with my family, then that means I connect myself to all those people who went through the same things, you know, that have been in that same, you know, situation. So I, I appreciate what you guys are doing. It's dope. But thank you for saying that. Now, like I said, this is this is the beginning. Um, you know, of course, I know you know about pockets but when i send you this report and you get to review all the names again talk to family members you'll be surprised how much knowledge and information that they have because what they've heard you know through through you know family stories from family reunions they may have attended they may have books that can um confirm some confirm some of these names and and you know if it if the interest is there we're going to help you find it we're going to take you back even further so really happy that you let us you know start with this and take you this far sounds like a plan so i just gotta figure it out but i'm yeah. really happy what you guys did man thank you thank you. thank you anything you're promoting right now i know you have your platform with your um boycott black murder you have any um websites instagram pages that you would like people to follow yeah you know my, my instagram is my song Mm -hmm. I saw NY General. Um, my, my Facebook is my son Lennon. Um, so just right, because I think I when I googled it, um, I also when we go on Google just to get more information, we see that the um the Until Freedom comes up. So I know that people can also Google Until Freedom and register and become a part of that movement as well. Yep, you can you can join Until Freedom. You can invest in Until Freedom. We have a fundraising page where you can invest in the work that we do. Um, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, again, we're super excited to have you join us. Um, this is family right here. So without the family tree, you know, we we go way back. So we appreciate you, your time, your um, your interest, and and really just you know connecting with us because I think your voice is so important that. Once you speak on this, there's going to be others who will follow. And again, my idealistic views are that once we all know where we come from, we all one big family will treat each other much better. Yes, exactly. You ain't said a lot. <laughs> okay, Rufus. 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 <laughs> Thank you so much, my son. Um, please come back anytime. When you come back, we will have more to share with you. And, um, you know, just lo looking forward to more conversations with you. Well, thank you. In the name of Rufus. Thank you. Thank you for the work, man. For real. It was, it was a pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you. Thank you. Appreciate your time.